Good morning, West Bowles. My name is Brad Brady. I'm one of the members of the Elder Board and part of the announcement team here at the church. First, I wanted to welcome you to our service and thank you for joining us. You know, these past few weeks have been a difficult time for all of us. And I want you to know that the leadership here at the church has been actively praying for you. And I trust that you are doing the same for each other. You know, transitioning our worship service to an online-only format was a very difficult decision for us. And while we're saddened not to be meeting together in our church building, we have been guided by two principles. First, honoring our governing officials who have urged extreme caution. And number two, and importantly, while God has not given us a spirit of fear, He has called us to love our neighbors and to contribute to the welfare of this community. So exercising caution is not merely um, wise. It's a tangible way of showing love to others. Also, I wanted to remind you of a couple of things. If you're in need of care in any way, prayer, encouragement, picking up groceries, whatever that looks like, please email us. We've set up a dedicated email address specifically for that reason. It's care at westbowls.com. And we have a team of people eager to help you in any way they can. And secondly, though our campus is closed, we still have ongoing expenses. And so we're asking you to continue being faithful in your giving. Online giving is the easiest, but for those of you that prefer writing checks, we will be sending out self-addressed postage paid envelopes to you this week. Additionally, we're installing or mounting a drop box at the office where you can securely drop off any donation. Well, that's it for announcements this morning. And while I can't invite you into the church physically, I'd like to invite you virtually as Pastor Nathan brings us an encouraging word from the Bible. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome back or welcome for the first time if this is your first time joining us. Uh, if, if you're anything like me and, and my experience recently, uh, I just miss seeing all of your faces. I miss what happens when we all get to be in the same room together, and obviously we can't do that right now. But in the coming days, we want to do something about that. I know we can't connect with one another physically, but we can definitely get together virtually. And in the coming days, we'll be setting up some opportunities for us to gather and still see one another face to face. It's using a, a platform that many of you are probably already familiar with, it's Zoom. Uh, but we're looking at uh, the nature of some of the things we can do on there. Uh, this week, I'd love for us to be able to pray together um, as a body of people. Uh, some groups that, that would like to meet. In fact, the youth are going to be meeting tonight virtually, and they're going to be our guinea pigs on this thing. Um, we've been able to have a staff meeting already on it, and so a variety of things we can do that we'd like to give you the opportunity to be part of in the coming days. If you're not already connected to one of the groups here at the church, or if, we, if you know we don't have your info, I'd invite you to go to our homepage, and there's a form right there underneath the banner at the top where you can fill out your name, email, and phone number, and we can certainly keep you updated about some opportunities to connect with one another online in the days to come. Well, uh, I imagine, like myself, your experience of the last 7 to 14 days, normal has just been turned completely upside down. And perhaps nothing describes what that's been like better than this news story. Take a look. 
Imagine you're off in paradise. A magical place. Rafting through the Grand Canyon. Yeah! And after 25 days, your group is met on the riverbank by a driver who picks up your gear and asks... Have you had any contact with the outside world? Rolled his eyes and sighed. He then proceeds to give you the headlines. The stock's plunging yet again. We're fighting a war. You have to behave like you have the virus. Italy's in lockdown, and the thing they really didn't understand, a toilet paper shortage? It was a real instant switch from happiness to, like, confusion and kind of fear, and we all just kind of got quieter. I look at the looks on their faces, and I just think that says it all. If you're watching online, you saw it. If you're listening via podcast, the look on their faces is, a, is one that we all know well. It's that deer-in-the-headlights look. And it's deer in the headlights is exactly how this last week to week and a half have felt. But for everything that that feels like right now, it's going to normalize. And the question for us is actually not probably even in the coming hours or days, but maybe days, weeks, or hopefully not, but it could be months down the road. There's going to be another disorienting that happens, and we're going to feel like deer in the headlights again. Because when all this situation gets resolved and it settles down, we are going to reemerge back into face-to-face -face contact again. And the question for us is going to be, how do we engage? See, the thing that's going to normalize for us real soon is the thing that is kind of weird right now. We, we think twice before we go somewhere. We think about how we even reach out and grab something. Do we need to have gloves on? Do I need a paper towel? Do I need, do I need a tissue to even pick something up? The words shelter in place, we've had to look up to know what that even means. Social distancing. Many of us are having to multitask, and you're not just a parent, you're now a teacher. You're not just a child, you're now a student. Your home is not just your home, it's maybe a place of work and a school among other things. And, and see, what is so weird right now is going to normalize, and the question for us is going to be months down the road, or whenever this ends, how do we re-engage into a world that's going to be completely disoriented? If there's anything that the last seven days have shown us, it's just how little control we actually have over our lives. And so how do we re-engage, not just individually, but for us as the church, how do, we, how do we be ambassadors of God's kingdom and followers of Jesus to this world that we're going to step back into? And how we reemerge is going to have everything to do with what we choose to do right now. See, what we choose to do right now is forming how we're going to step back into the world. And that's why where we're at in the book of Jonah is perfect. Because last week, Jonah chapter 3, Jonah had just emerged from his own isolation inside the great fish. And something very incredible happened when Jonah reemerged. He did what God asked him to do, and it worked. And that's where the problem began for Jonah. Because for all of Jonah's time in isolation, there was one thing that he was completely overlooking, and it greatly, greatly affected how he stepped back into the world. And it's not just a problem Jonah had, it's a problem that you and I have all these centuries and generations later. Take a look, we're in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. God has, God has seen that the Ninevites have responded to his message, and so at the end of chapter 3, he relents from the punishment he was going to bring them. 
And Jonah chapter 4 is where we pick up. Verse 1 says this, But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. I look at this and I go, Jonah, what's the problem? I mean, like when an artist gets their work put in a museum, they're overjoyed. When a scientist, their work gets published in a journal, that's success. When a musician performs on stage and and people respond well to them, that's, I'm sure that's euphoric for them. So I guess from this preacher to Jonah in his preaching position that he's in here, to have people respond well and to see God use your message, that's, that's a great thing. So what are you so angry about? And the problem for Jonah is the problem that you and I have as well. He and we live in the world of what seems to be. What seems to be can cause issues, can't it? Because you and I no doubt have had the experience where when somebody seems a certain way to us, when our circumstances seem a certain way, we begin to have those imaginary conversations, don't we? And we begin to make decisions based on how things seem to be. See, seems can cause issues because seems operates on the assumption that my way is the right way, which means your way, well, it seems wrong. And seems can be formed by a lot of different things. I mean, there's our past, our, our plans, our preferences, our prejudices, even our pride. All of these can, can make up what seems is to us in the world of seems. But the problem is it's a very incomplete story. See, just because, just because our view seems right doesn't mean we're actually seeing right. There may be no greater proof of this than how our own culture operated decades ago. There's a professor of MBA classes named Roberto Fernandez. And one day, Roberto Fernandez was speaking to his class and he showed him this grainy black and white video from the 1950s. And it was footage of some heart surgeons carrying out heart surgery. And they were sprinkling some white stuff over this patient's chest as they were doing this surgery. And he looked at the class, Roberto Fernandez, and he said, you see that white stuff that they're sprinkling on the chest of the patient? That's asbestos. And the class gasped. And I'm sure you and I, even hearing that, I remember reading it, gasping. It wasn't, it wasn't more than a couple decades later, hospitals when they would admit you, if you were to show up at the ER and you, and you needed a room, you know what they would ask you? Would you like a smoking room or non-smoking room? See, just because at the time it seems right doesn't mean we're actually seeing right. It may not be the best way forward. And in a very real way, we have to ask ourselves right now, what is our measuring stick that tells us that the world is right or wrong? Under normal circumstances, our interactions with one another, our physical face-to-face interactions with one another would tell us that. But that's not the normal right now. It's very digital. And so you know you can go on social media and a person can seem to be okay and the world can seem to be a certain way. But just because it seems right or seems wrong doesn't mean we're actually seeing right. Well, Jonah knew how to filter through all of this. He really did. In fact, when you look at what he has to say next, I wonder if he even realized what he was saying. Take a look at verses 2 and 3. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? 
This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. See, Jonah had his own answer. Did you catch the phrase he said in there? I knew. I knew. In other words, deep down in the depths of his heart, Jonah knew that what seemed to be the need was not the actual need. What seemed to be the need was that the Ninevites would get what they deserved, that they were terrible people, and he just wanted revenge, or he just wanted to see them get what they deserved. That seemed to be the need. That's why all this, well, that's why God's mercy and his compassion seemed so wrong to him. But that wasn't the actual need. The actual need was what came out of Jonah's very own mouth here. Look again at what he said. I knew. I knew that, God, you're gracious and compassionate. I knew that you're slow to anger and abounding in love. I knew that you're a God who relents from sending calamity. See, there were miles between what Jonah knew and what Jonah wanted. And the thing every single one of us has to know when we reemerge back into life the way it was, kind of, is that how we see people is much more affected by what we want than what we know. Maybe a perfect example of this, and maybe you've heard it before, is a, a kiss. Do you want to know the definition of a kiss, or, or do you just want the experience of a kiss? Let, let me read you this disgusting definition of a kiss. Two people press their moist, creased facial passageways together, cinch tight the muscles that draw the flesh around the oral cavity together into a bulbous mound, and exchange breath, thus creating an expression of fondness for one another. That is disgusting. But more importantly, I doubt you walk around with what you know about a kiss in mind. You wanna know why? Because you're not driven by that. And the truth is, the way you see people is not driven necessarily by what you know. It's driven by what you want. In the depths of your heart, what you want. Well, God, God is about to adjust Jonah's perspective. God had something to say. Here's what God said to Jonah. You little brat. I'm just kidding. This is what I said to Jonah as I read this because it's just, it's awful. And yet it's true of every single one of us. Here's what God actually said. A simple question, but the Lord replied, Jonah, is it right? Is it right for you to be angry? In other words, Jonah, you're missing something really big here. I know there's, there's what everything seems to be right now, but you're missing something. Because the difference between the way the world seems to be and the way people seem to be and the way things actually are, you're missing it. And the reason for your missing it is not out there. It's not out the window. It's actually in the mirror. He's saying, is it right for you to be angry? Because there are some things here that Jonah has overlooked. First, Jonah has overlooked his own experience of God's mercy. Because guess what? Jonah, as you read his story, you realize Jonah's not very deserving of having a storm thrown his way and it actually working in his favor. 
And Jonah's not deserving of being swallowed by a fish and it not being a punishment, but it actually worked out for his positioning. The very fish carried him to where God wanted him to be in the first place. And when, when you read about Jonah, he's not very deserving of being able to walk through the streets of brutal Nineveh and actually survive all of it. Jonah has forgotten his own experience of mercy and compassion. But there's something else he's overlooked. He's overlooked the dignity of the people God asked him to go to. Jonah saw their brutal practices and didn't understand that it came from a very broken side of them and that God longed to fix that side of them. In fact, Scripture is filled with stories of people, God asking people to step into something that seemed so wrong. I mean, you had Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. It seemed so wrong that he would take Mary home as his wife after learning she was pregnant and knowing it wasn't him. It seemed wrong. The law even said, actually, she, you, can, you can divorce her. You can walk away from her. And so what the Holy Spirit asked Joseph to do seemed so wrong. Peter, Peter, down the road, he would, he would, it just seemed wrong to even associate and even eat with people that weren't of the same background as him. It seemed so wrong. And it's, it's exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. A man named Saul, who would later become Paul, it seemed so wrong that people would be following Jesus that they'd be modeling their lives based on what was at the time called the way, following Jesus. It seems so wrong. And it's the very thing that, that Saul, who had become Paul, was asked to do with his own life, to stake his own life on that. Jonah overlooked himself, other people, but he also overlooked the very character of God and his own experience of him. What Jonah really overlooked was the deepest of human needs. The very deepest of human needs is the knowledge, the personal knowledge of God, not knowledge about God. Years ago, a missionary to the war-torn country of Angola, he was interviewed and he talked about how it was common for missionaries to bring seed to Angola. And the thinking behind this was if they would plant these seeds, they could produce crops and they could in turn continually feed themselves, their families, their village. But when missionaries showed up with the seeds and they'd hand out these seeds, you know what the people would do with it? They would eat the seed. Instead of planting the seed where it could produce more, they would just eat the seed. A woman named Beth Moore actually reflected on this story. Here's what she had to say. Why have many of us read books on forgiving people, known the teachings were true and right, cried over them, marked them up with highlighters, yet remain in our bitterness? Because we ate the seed instead of sowing it. What she's speaking to is really our default state. It, it's what you see in Jonah in verse 5. Here's what that says. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Did you catch that word? To the city. See, this is the default state of all of our hearts. This is where we all are. When we get stuck in how the world seems to be and how people seem to be, you know what we try to do? 
We try to run the way Jonah ran. We try to opt out of what God's up to in this world the way Jonah did when he said, take my life, it would be better for me to die. But we also become people who sit and we wait to see what would happen to other people. And so what is the answer to that? We must become people who see the needs of people, not the seams of our surroundings. And the only way we can do that is if we're first cultivating and asking for that formation of our own relationship with our Savior, with Jesus Christ. That's what's going to form how we emerge from this time, however long it lasts. And so there's a choice before all of us. Three of them, actually, specifically. Number one is the reminder that we would cultivate a personal knowledge of Jesus and not just knowledge about him. Number two, as we interact with our screens, maybe more than we ever have, which is hard to imagine, but as we see the seams of people through our screens, we have to remember just that, that it's what seems to be. It's the way the world seems to be right now. It's the way people seem to be right now. But we can become people who choose to acknowledge there's more to the story. We can become people who choose to reach out to others during this time, even if it's only online, even if it's only through a screen, we can reach out and authentically connect with other people. And third, we'd encourage you to utilize this email address we've recently set up here at the church for all care needs. It's care at westbowls.com. We'd encourage you to use that. If you have any kind of need come up, if it's spiritual, we'd like to pray with you. If it's, if it's a material need, reach out, let us know, and somebody will be in contact to see how we can come alongside and help. But we've also had people who have reached out recently who just want to be a resource. They want to be part of, if, if you need to be prayed for, they want to reach out and pray with you. If, if groceries are a need, we want to be able to help get those and get those to you. It, it could be all kinds of things. So please, if you're willing to be part of that, reach out to us. You can email that address and let us know. All that said, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift that is your word, for the work that it does uh, in our own hearts, but also in the world around us and through us. Heavenly Father, we pray that during this time, however long it lasts, that you would continue to form, cultivate, shape our hearts to resemble yours in the deepest of ways, your mercy and your compassion for other people, so that when we emerge from this time, we would know exactly, we would see with your eyes, and we would go with your feet, and we would have your heart for all that we come into contact with. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. West Bulls. Thank you for joining us this morning. We'll talk to you soon.